Welcome in to another episode of We're Talking. We're talking baseball, Sunbelt Conference baseball, with Danny Reed, voice of the Georgia Southern Eagles, and Jay Walker, voice of the UL Raging Cajuns. How are you this evening, Danny? You know, it just occurred to me that the two voices you have on here don't play each other during the regular season, but if fate has it, probably going to see our two teams play at some point in Montgomery this year, just because it seems like that that's how it works out more often than not. But it's funny to get the east side of the league and the west side of the league, even though there's not divisions in baseball, but that, that's something that just kind of occurred to me. Well, you know, I thought about it earlier today and I was going like, it really kind of makes sense because we don't play each other. And even though you're right, there's not east or west, the, 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 the teams are divided somewhat in the sense of who you play and who you don't play. And we don't see everybody over there, which you will, and uh, you don't see everybody over here. So yeah. I, I felt it a compliment. You've got, um, you've got three teams that you don't see, but we see them and vice versa. Correct. And uh, so therefore, you know, actually we're educating each other a little bit, but we both can talk about the teams because between the two of us, we'll play everybody. Good point. Welcome in, Jay. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. I'm a man who obviously needs no introduction. <laughs> Has not met a microphone he doesn't feel com comfortable with. Uncomfortable. Well, something like that. But you get you you get the you get the gist of it. Danny, let's go ahead and start with you guys. Uh, had a little weather in uh, your neck of the woods, as it did here in that Southern Miss and probably a few other places. How did you guys end up on the weekend? I know you got took two out of three, double header on Saturday, but what was yeah, your – Yeah, the, the first game on Friday, we got Xander Hamilton, if that's a thing. He, he was – I thought he was pretty good. His, his fastball was up to 95. His slider, which the team started to lay off early, they didn't do as much of it, and that's why he got into the seventh inning and – Look, App did almost everything on the weekend with two outs. They had 10 two-out hits that first game. They had nine two-out runs. It was insane how they just kept doing everything with two outs. And even though the Eagles came back a couple of times and got to some of the good arms because they couldn't throw strikes, and you could tell that that's going to be App's bugaboo down the stretch, especially if Steensman is still out. He's their closer. He ended up leaving that game due to injury, and I don't know how serious it was, but it seemed to be a pretty quick snap of the finger where their trainer was out. They took a look at his right arm, and then he was out pretty quickly. Their bullpen guys did have some velocity, and that's not something we're really used to with that, but there's just not a ton of depth, and it got exposed a little bit during the doubleheader, and look, you hate it during a doubleheader if you've already lost the first one because, as we all know, you're designed to split a doubleheader. You're not designed to sweep. A right. doubleheader, but things worked out in game one where Eagles got two homers in the eighth inning and then App just didn't have any pitching left. And Georgia Southern did a thing in game two and ended up sweeping Saturday and ended up taking the series. I, you had asked me about App and I told you about their ability to swing the bat being better than any App team that I've seen. You agree? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And look, I don't know, they don't have their situational statistics as part of whatever they present, but if they do that the rest of the year with two outs, I don't care who they play. That's a team that you're going to have a really hard time putting away. I agree. I love, I love, I like their Friday night guy, even though he was a little roughed up against ULM. Uh, 
but man, I, I, if he's on, he, he's, he's very good. And, and I didn't realize this until the series, but I mean, Tyler Tuthill's out for the year with Tommy John surgery. Mm-hmm. So if they've got him and that's your one, two with what Hamilton has gotten back to from his injury, if they got a decent seat of the tournament, is that being the one, two, I, I think I'd feel okay about that. Yeah. True. Truth. Coastal Carolina uh, went up to Old Dominion. What did you were you able to watch games on Sunday at least, or was that something you just said I want to get away from baseball? I ended up following a little bit of everything, and I, I, I kind of thought that Old Dominion would get Game One just because that was a series that after losing the week before against Southern Miss, I'm sure they came in ticked off and look, they're being told, well, you're not going to beat the number 17 team in the country even if you're hosting them. But they had a big inning. They ended up winning the first game. Coastal destroyed the baseball in game two. I think they eight or nine guys drove in a run, which was pretty wild. And then game three, Coastal rallied late. They got the two homers in the 10th. And look, I know that I'm not exactly the biggest Coastal believer, but after last weekend, I think it's pretty clear cut that Coastal was the best team in this league I, at, this point, at this point in the season. Yes. Yeah, I, um, yeah I, I concur. You know, you, you're going up to Norfolk to play and um, and you don't get the first one, but you make a statement in game two and then you find a way in game three against a, another team that I think is one of the better teams in this league. Um, you know, I, I think their statement's been made. You know, I, I think anybody that takes a series from Coastal the rest of the year really has a feather in their cap because they're good. Uh, everything I've seen, I, I've wanted to, I've wanted to, pull against them and I still pull against them, but at the same time, they're playing really good baseball right now. Is able to watch uh, both games that they played against Campbell. Um, not a series, but they played two, two games at Campbell and one at uh, Coastal. And it, it was fun to watch. I'm not, you know, I think there are a lot of Cajun fans that won't root for Coastal Carolina and anything because of reasons that I think we all know. Um, but it's hard to root against Gilly. Yes. I mean, it really is. Gary Gilmore is such an outstanding coach and a great man. And he's an old school guy, you know, from the days when we all loved baseball before things, you know, have gotten a little different. He's a guy that would much rather, or that he would much rather uh, not lose than the joy that he gets out of winning. He just, you know, he's one of those guys that hates to lose. And, you know, he had, of course, um, some, some physical issues and it wasn't that long after, uh, after we lost coach robe. Um, but he's, he's gotten through that and, you know, hard to root against the guy that having been said, I'm, it's hard to root for coastal because they're coastal. And having seen them, it, it's a, I think I said this before, it's, it's a real nice blend of those teams that when they first came in the league that were extremely offensive would score 10 runs per game. Whereas last year they were more of a grinding nature. They would just outplay you and they still had some talent this year. They've got the talent and they're doing that. And that's going to make them really, really tough to beat down the stretch. And they've got Southern Miss this weekend in Conway, which that's going to be a hell of a series. That is going to be a really good series. You know, it's one of those things that, I, I hate that the Cajuns are away this weekend because I, I won't get to watch them live. But at the same time, I can tell you where my butt is going to be plopped all weekend long 
watching college baseball. It's um, now Coastal's number two starter. I'm sorry, Southern Miss's number two starter had to leave the game early. And so it, it looks as though that might be an issue. And, and you sure don't need to be down a really good arm going into Springs Brooks because uh, they're going to make your good arm things hard enough on your, on your good arm. So uh, maybe a factor in the game, certainly or a factor in the series. Yeah. If, if Tanner Hall can go there and have good numbers, then all right. He, he might, I mean, I think we know he's the real deal, but then he might really be the real deal. If he could go there and have the kind of start that he's had almost all year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Coastal's really good. Uh, they're playing at home, uh, and I think they, they're going to like that more than Southern Miss does. And, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. And, and with a, uh, a Southern Miss team that might be without a really good pitcher, that, it, that could be a tough weekend for them. Jay, uh, Marshall went to Texas State, went to San Marcos, and, uh, and got swept. Any surprise here? Back-to-back weekends being swept? Um, no, because of the quality of the competition. You know, I'll say this for Marshall. I don't think that they're um, one of the more talented teams in the league. But I do think that they're fundamentally sound. They play the game the right way. Uh, I just don't think they have enough firepower right now. And Marshall's going to go and they're going to beat some of the lower teams in the league. But when they play some of the better competition, anytime they can get one, it's probably a good weekend. They weren't able to get any at Texas State. I wasn't shocked by that. New coach, building the team the right way, though, you'd say. Yeah, you know, guy was at Ohio State for 10 years. And, um, you know, I I just saw a team that was well-disciplined and was fundamentally sound, and that's the first step when you're trying to build a program, I think. Danny, how about you? Any any thoughts on that series this past weekend? Well, the difference to me was Texas State starting pitching. I mean, Levi Wells goes complete game, 13 strikeouts, and then Tony Roby goes seven and a third shutout. And then in game three, Marshall's got a two-run lead, but they hit into a double play late, and there's video of it on social media where there's a fly ball to center field. Ben McLean catches it, and there's a hit and run on, and Marshall's runner slides into second base, doesn't realize the ball's going to get caught. McLean almost airmails the throw to first, but I think it's Pena that jumps up in foul ground to catch it. He's so far off the bag that the only chance he has to make the play is to dive and get to the base as Marshall's runner is sliding in. That was a hell of a play. I think it was in the seventh or the eighth inning, and then Texas State ended up tying it. They walked off. I, I think that they're just a better team, but I do like some of Marshall's pieces. I think Luke Edwards is a really good leadoff hitter, and he's amongst their program uh, best in a number of different categories. I think Gio Ferraro is a really solid player. And with Patrick Copen in game one, that's going to give you a chance to win most game one. But I think with them, as, a, as would be the case with a lot of teams that are fighting to stay out of the bottom four, if you don't get Friday, it's, it's just really tough to win a series. I, I visited with, uh, with Brant Freeman, our good friend from Texas State. And uh, he was asking me a, a few questions about Marshall and over and over again, my response was, they're okay. They're okay. You know, how's their starting pitching? Well, it's okay. How's, uh, you know, how's their deep? Well, they're okay. And that's what I really think about Marshall. They're an okay team. Uh, moving on to Arkansas State heading to Atlanta. Um, a lot of runs in that uh, Friday night game, which you don't <laughs> see normally 
on Friday night, but it's almost been a year we've seen Friday night move to Sunday and Friday night become a bash, a party for all the teams. You follow that one much? And I saw 18-13, and I pulled up the stat broadcast and wondered what had happened. And look, those two teams are definitely more offensive teams than they are pitching and defensive teams. And that ballpark, as we know, Panthersville, the ball has a tendency to carry pretty well, especially now that it's starting to warm up a little bit. And then Arkansas State comes back and wins game two in pretty convincing fashion. They probably should have won game three, but they blew a late lead. And I think you probably had two fairly evenly matched teams. And when it comes down to it, it's probably two teams that are going to be fighting to stay out of the bottom four. I do know that Georgia State, Matt Ryerson, was out for a while with an ankle issue. He did come back. I think he homered in the first game of that series. But even though they can swing it pretty well, I just don't know that pitching-wise if Georgia State has enough to make them a serious threat. In the last three weeks, Arkansas State has taken one from Texas State, probably should have taken two. Yep. Taken one from Troy, probably should have taken two. And then this week, they take one, probably should have taken two. Um, I think in West Texas, they call that a trend. Uh, and, you know, we've, we've been saying as the weather gets warmer and as we get closer to tax day, Arkansas State's going to get better. And I honestly think that within the next couple, they've got they got a series win coming. And, you know, Texas State is fighting for a top four or five spot, as is Troy. Uh, Georgia State, not so much. But they're jumping up and taking care of good teams at least one time. So I, I don't know if it's a thing you ought to be afraid of, but I, I think you better get ready if the Red Wolves are coming because guess what? They're coming. I mean, 18 runs, that's that's more points than their football team scores in most games. So it was just a little shocking for me there. And I know I shouldn't have said that, but, hey, see Danny Earlham as a high school man. You went uh, Look, Georgia Southern doesn't play Arkansas State again this year, and this is where the football schedule kind of teases you because you're going to go a couple of years, maybe three or four years without seeing somebody from the West. So who knows what they're going to look like the next time that Georgia Southern or the Red Wolves get on the football field. But – I do know that Butch Jones is expecting this team to be his best team, but I think that everybody says that, but I think for Arkansas State, it's going to have to be the truth. Well, I think it's going to be true. I mean, I'm, I'm, I mean, those other two teams were bad. So at least his first one was very bad, which, which it was not his fault. They have uh, a lot of, uh, he, he's bringing in his own guys. I expect them to be better. So sounded like my glass. Uh, where did we go? South Alabama and ULM. I mean, I thought this was a series that either South Alabama would 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 start rolling, or ULM had the ability to crush their hopes for the rest of the season. But it was very evenly matched there. Any any surprises there, Jay? Um, no. You know, I think that when I looked at that before ULM went to App State. I looked at that and I said, you know what, South Alabama may go up there and sweep. And then ULM beat uh, App State in, in a shortened two-game series. And I said, okay, you know, now if you go to Monroe, it's kind of like Arkansas State. If you're going to go to Monroe, um, it's going to be very, very difficult to sweep there because they've got the ability to go get one at least. Um, ULM uh, hasn't pitched it very well this year. And on top of that, they've had trouble scoring runs. But they, um, they're capable. 
and so the 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 fact that they did win one was not a surprise, even though you know one run seven six game. But um, I'm not I, I'm not surprised. I, I did not expect that South Alabama would sweep that series. Manny, you get get, uh, get to follow that. I honestly thought that ULM was going to take two out of three, and it, for them, it's probably disappointing that they didn't win that third game. You split the first two, you play for the rubber, you're at home, you're expecting to win that game, but it got pretty sideways from the beginning. I do think that Sean Dalton Weatherby is figuring some things out offensively. He was really good against App. I think he had a solid weekend. He homered against South Alabama, but Jacks had more pitching. And we mentioned the depth of their arms, and I can tell you from that series in Statesboro, I know the Eagles swept, but you could tell the quality of the arms that were there. It was a matter of making sure that they were in the right spots. They're starting Sam Knowlton now. 100 miles per hour starting out of whatever they get out of him, they get out of him, but they definitely have some arms that they can spare to use in different ways. And the more and more they get into the season, I think that that's going to be a tough team to handle. I know that they are where they are at this point, but they apparently have just a little bit more than ULN does at this point. So do you think they're a lock to be in the top 10, a uh, top uh, 10? Yeah. You talking about South Alabama? Yeah. 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 I think yeah. they're fine. All right. Interesting. All right. Uh, Jay, uh, Southern Miss takes all three from James Madison in Hattiesburg. Uh, I don't, I, it's been years since I've been to Hattiesburg for baseball. Is there field turf? Because they had a yes. four hour rain delay. They did. They did. And it, and it, and it rained hard during yes. that time, but yes, they do have turf. Um, yeah. Nothing, nothing uh, going into the seventh. And uh, then the rains came and, you know, you burn a pitcher Four hours later, you get back up there, and Southern Miss gets five in the seventh and two in the eighth, and they win it seven to one. But that was a scoreless game going into inning number seven. Danny, did you follow that one, uh, the series at all with Southern Miss? Yeah, when we talked last week, we thought it, it would take a minor miracle for James Madison to go down there and take a game just because I don't know that they're accustomed to environments like they played in last week. And look, I know it was rain affected, but going from the Colonial to the Sun Belt it's probably a little bit of a shock into some of the environments that they're playing in. They kept it competitive in game one, lost by a run. And if they would have been up going into the delay, I think they would have at least had a chance, but then they got Slate Wilkes in the bottom of the seventh inning. He had a long home run. They ended up dominating the rest. And then game three was a formality. They ended up getting run ruled. I know that Southern Miss isn't in first, but they are in second. And despite the issues they may have with their starting pitching, they've got arms that can throw the ball really hard and offensively. It, it doesn't ever seem like they're out of a game because they just have so much experience. Danny Lynch, the third baseman, has played in more games than anybody in the country has that's an active player. They've got so many guys that have been through so many moments. You're not going to surprise them. And when it comes down to it, once we get to next month in the tournament play, nobody wants to have to say, oh, we've got Southern Miss on our side of the bracket. Nobody wants to have to say that. Absolutely. Uh, finally, uh the Trojans came into to Louisiana and, and took two out of three. We, we've always said on here that, you know, doubleheaders are meant to be split, and that's what exactly happened. Jay, but your thoughts on the weekend? Well, you know, game one turned out to be you know, about as frustrating as it gets because you walk nine, you hit five, and you make an error. That's 15 three base runners. Um, if you score six runs on Friday night, that ought to be enough. And uh, But it wasn't. Um, because of the fact that the pitching staff kind of imploded a little bit. And 
you know, then game one on Sunday. Well, I, you know, I think that that was a case where you, you had started to barge in game one. And after, after one at bat, he left the game. Then you're ready to play the double header. And then you realize Julian Brock is sick and he's not going to be able to play. And, and I think that uh, that game two was kind of what that was like. I thought Nazu pitched. Okay. Um, you know, Christie came in and he hit a bunch of guys and, and, you know, again, free base runners uh, cost them, but I, I just, they just looked like a fish out of water in game one of the doubleheader. Danny, did you get to uh, follow that at all? I, I was a little bit surprised with the, I was a little bit surprised with the result. I, I thought that the Cajuns would get two or three and I, I thought it would be Troy trying to get the finale. But then again, when you have to play two, it's, especially when it's on a Sunday, that, that's, that's a little bit out of the ordinary. And look, it's, it's strange to see that kind of Cajun offense struggle like they did in game one of the doubleheader because of all the speed and the contact ability. But also know that in our past conversations, this is a team that's going to strike out a good bit. And you hearken back to the Appalachian State Series. They picked well enough, netted a lot of strikeouts. That's why they took the first two. And even though the Cajuns won the finale, you saw that there is a way to beat that offense, especially if you keep the leadoff man off base. But for Troy, they're always going to be a team that can hit. I'm surprised that pitching-wise they haven't made a bigger jump because Skyler Mead is a pitching guy. And then the, the defensive numbers, I know we talked about that before. That's still – that blows my mind with every game that they play at home being on turf and so many games on the road they play on turf. I know that Bartolero has changed positions a little bit and they've had some moving parts at a couple of other spots but for a team that plays so many games where you're going to get the natural bounce to not have the defensive numbers that match up that's just that's a little bit confusing to me absolutely uh, we're i've got the sunbelt conference standings up right now uh along with team pitching team hitting era fielding percentage uh, home and away any surprises there that you can see danny Oh, let's see. It, it still surprises me that the Cajuns ERA is 4.2 over the course of this year. And, and, and not that it's 4.2 so much, but that it's the best ERA in the Sun Belt. Maybe the thing that gets you a little bit is that since Old Dominion is a team that is one of the national leaders in home runs, the fact that their ERA is so good and not that they couldn't pitch, but when you think of that team, you think of the bats, you think of Fitzgerald, you think of Tyser, you think of the guys that hit the crap out of the ball. You don't think about the quality of the arms. And I've talked about how deep they were, especially with all the left-handed options they have out of that bullpen. I, I still think that they may be the most well-rounded team in the league, even though Coastal may be the best team in the league. I, I still really like Old Dominion's makeup. And I think that they're a regional team. Jay? Well, I, I certainly agree with all of that. Um, you know, when when they announced the teams that were coming into the league, of course, everyone and I think I don't I don't care if you're living live on the east side or the west side. The first thing he said was, OK, Southern Miss is coming in. And. The one that I said, OK, yeah, but was Old Dominion. And so you got not one very good program, but two very good programs 
that joined the league. And um, if there's anything you know about Chris Finwood is his guys can hit. And so the success that the success they've had with the pitching staff has surprised me a little bit, but not with their ability to score runs. We talked about the, uh, the, the top teams a couple of weeks ago, and we also talked about the depth of, uh, of, the, of the league this year. Does this force, I mean, I, I know the answer, but I mean, but if you guys could talk about it a little bit, does this force other the, the, the remaining, the teams that were here to go out and recruit better? I mean, because Coastal had not been at the top of the league in a while, although they've been very good. But, and I know it's still, we're a little bit past the halfway point, but Coastal is, is really knocking the world apart there. How, how, what do you think this does to the league as far as recruiting, Danny? Well, it's probably a little bit of a flashing light to those that are in the perceived bottom half that, look, if you don't start at least doing something in the neighborhood of a coastal, a Louisiana, a Southern Miss, an Old Dominion, a Texas State, a Troy, a Georgia Southern, whoever's on the top of the league, there is a pretty clear separation between haves and have-nots. And we've spoken about this with football, who invests, who doesn't. Basketball, who invests, who doesn't. Baseball, with some of those new squads like a Marshall, like a James Madison, I'm going to use those two as just examples. They're going from situations where they could tread water to maybe now the, 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 the pool's deeper. So it, it's going to take a little bit more to just tread water. Otherwise, if the format stays the way that it does, where you take the top 10, then it's going to be more often than not where you're going to be scraping that bottom four and having your season end when the regular season does. Jay, does this make it easier to recruit? Um, I think if you're putting the resources into it, and Danny's absolutely right, the message that it is sending to the bottom part of the league is you got to do better. You've got to invest more. The... Um, but if you're doing that, if you're already doing that, then I think it can be very beneficial because if there's one thing that you, that you learn over the years is that ball players want to play the best competition they can play. And so if you're at a school in this league, that's okay, but you know, maybe they're just okay right now, but they're making an investment and trying to get better. You can go ahead and recruit those guys to go to a place like, and I'm going to use James Madison as, a, as an example, and now they can go out, they can play ODU, they can play Georgia Southern, they can play Coastal Carolina, they can play Southern Miss and Louisiana and Troy and Texas State and South Alabama. So if you're putting the money into the program, then yes, it can really help recruiting. All right, guys, it's time for a break. Uh, I see Jay's glass is empty, and I've got to admit, so is mine. So let's take a little break, refresh our drink, and then we'll come back and we'll talk about the weekdays, uh, games, and uh, next weekends. You're listening to We're Talking. We're talking baseball. Sunbelt Conference Baseball with Danny Reed, voice of the Georgia Southern Eagles, and Jay Walker, voice of the UL Raging Cajuns.
Welcome back in to We're Talking. We're talking baseball, Sunbelt Conference baseball. Danny, I don't know much about the College of Charleston. I know they've had good basketball teams in the past. I believe that's where uh, I'm trying to think of the gentleman that was at Georgia Tech that had Georgia Tech playing basketball. Oh, Bobby Kremens. Bobby, Bobby Kremens, yes. Bobby Kremens, good to know you. Oh, good to know you. Down in Charleston. Oh, we love Charleston. Is that where he ended up? Okay. So what, what do you know anything about their baseball team? Historically a very good program. They went to a super regional within the last decade. They lost that Texas tech when Tim Tadlock was just getting them going into the program that they have become. They've typically been one of the better CAA teams. They're led by Chad Holbrook now, who was the former assistant at North Carolina and South Carolina, former head coach for the Gamecocks, but he has been at CFC for quite a few years. He has gotten that program back to a pretty good state. They play in a very hitter-friendly ballpark at Patriots Point, just over the bridge in Mount Pleasant. It's only 300 down the left field line. They've had some really good arms, though, as well. Bailey Over, who's made it to the major leagues with Arizona, pitched there within the last 10 years. Always been a very good hitting program, and one that when the schedule comes out, if you see that you've got CFC, it's one of those, oh, Okay, it's going to be one of those. You don't go into that thinking, okay, that's one we can pick up ground. It's one of those where, uh, okay, it's CFC. What about UNC Asheville? Uh, I mean, I know that's it's not in your area, but it's close enough, I guess, to, that you've been around that area before. Yeah, Georgia Southern played the Bulldogs in a series in 2018 down at J.I., took two out of the three. I think that that was a program that struggled for a long time. They actually, it seemed like their their starting center fielder was their number one pitcher or maybe their number two pitcher that weekend. But a program that had struggled for a long time, I think that they are back up on the upswing in the in the Big South. And that, that, that's something that was needed because outside of basketball, there's, there's not a whole lot that that department talks about. But I do think that UNC Asheville baseball has gotten better since that last series five years ago. Jay, you know anything about any of those teams or, or something else that's coming no, up? No, those, but there's a couple um, There's a couple of games that intrigue me a little bit. Before they joined the Sunbelt Conference, Troy's biggest do-or-die rival was Jacksonville State. Mm-hmm. They played uh, FCS football together uh, in the Southland Conference. Uh, they were in uh, the same conference uh, for a while, and – they really don't like each other very much. At least that's the way it was before Southern Miss, I'm sorry, before um, Troy joined the league. Now that's been 17 years, but this is a game where Jacksonville State's about to join Conference USA, but they're not in that league yet. So Troy is kind of big brother to them a little bit. And I really believe that Jacksonville State is pumping this game up a little bit that they really, really want it. So if Skylar Mead is smart, he's going to talk a little bit about, in fact, maybe have a ball player that played when that rivalry was really, really big to give them an idea of what to expect when they get there. What about Texas State and UTSA? Is I mean, I know US, UTSA is still in Conference USA right now. Yeah, they're he, really good this year. Are they? Yes. So uh, yeah, and those, those two schools cannot stand each other. They're only separated by about, what, 45 minutes, but they cannot stand each other. Well, you know, Texas State last week uh, took one of two from the Longhorns, so I'm sure they're, they're thinking uh, that this is, a, this is good. 
they need to win as well, which obviously as much as I don't like Texas state, the way they wear their uniforms, I will be pulling for them. I will be pulling for Troy. Um, so, and especially Marshall, do you know much about Eastern Kentucky? I really don't know anything about Eastern Kentucky. Well, it's funny because Georgia Southern's new hitting coach, Cody Wofford was at Eastern Kentucky with Chris Prothrow the last two years. He was at Georgia Southern the previous two years, but he was with Mark Calvi as an assistant coach in 17 and 18, but he was helping to build that program for the last two seasons. They won 38 games a year ago, and they're, they're definitely at a much better spot now than they were when Prothrow took over. And I know how big of a deal that was for him to get that job and for Cody to have a chance to be the hitting coach there. But when the hitting coach opportunity came down here, when Alan Beck took the Western Carolina job, that was a pretty easy decision to bring him back to Statesboro. What about Georgia State going to Georgia Tech? Two teams that are in Atlanta. And I watched the Georgia Tech game the other night, and it, uh, it felt like it ended at midnight Eastern time zone. And I'm seeing this little kid that's got to be about eight years old at the baseball game. I'm like, is it spring break there or what? I mean, what? what where's his parents? I mean, hey, if it was my kid, I'd, I'd bring him too, but – I just uh, what is Georgia Tech doing this year? I guess it's they they hit the ball crazy last year. They were the best offense in the country. They had 327 as a team. That was by far number one in the land. They did lose Kevin Ferrati. He was a first round pick. They lost a number of other guys off that offense. But they have always been an extremely good hitting team. If they pitch enough and they defend at least a little bit. They're going to have a chance for for a coach in Danny Hall, though, that has been there for 30 years. They haven't been to a Super Regional since 2006. Now, he has taken them to three College World Series, but they have not been past the opening round in more than 15 years. The ballpark is part of a neighborhood block right on campus. It is very short to right center field. So if you're a lefty in the northern or northwest port of Georgia and you do not go to Georgia Tech, that's your fault because you might be able to hit 100 home runs there if you end up becoming a Yellow Jacket. But the Atlanta skyline in the background of Russ Chandler is absolutely beautiful. They've done a number of renovations there since 2015, I think. It is consistently one of the best programs in the ACC year in and year out. I know the ACC has changed its makeup over the last 10 years as well. But offensively, you're not going to find too many programs that year in and year out hit the ball like Tech does. Yeah, it looked like a beautiful ballpark when I was watching. Uh, but like I said, just kind of surprised me a little bit about the late hour at that game finish. Uh, Jay, two two former or one former Conference USA team playing another uh, Conference USA team, Southern Miss heading to Louisiana Tech. I do think that Southern Miss is the better ball club, but what worries me is that they're playing in Ruston. Well, you know, anytime that you play at home, you have an advantage or you're supposed to at any rate. Um this is certainly not Lane Burrow's best team, uh, although they, they've been playing a little better since, uh, since the Cajuns beat them in that midweek game. You know, they're capable of beating Southern Miss, especially, you know, when you don't have one of your top guys throwing for USM uh, and you give, uh, the, you know, a, a team like uh, Louisiana Tech an opportunity like that. Yeah, you know, Tech is capable. I, you know, I hope Southern Miss beats them. You know, because I'm crushes them. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm rooting for our guys, but exactly um, but, crushes their little faces. Okay, that and but we'll Boom. we'll see. I think Tech's capable. Danny, any thoughts on that game? Uh, the the uh, the the Eagles versus the the Dog Killers. Look, I think that we know how everybody. Yes, I've been else, drinking. Leave me alone. I 
know how everybody else in this league feels about Louisiana Tech, not just ULM and the Raging Cajuns. So I think that that'll be enough said on that. All right. Thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> uh, Alabama State going to South Alabama. I don't remember. I know these two teams I want to say played a couple weeks ago. What happened was the game got called in the top of the eighth inning because they had some weather. They couldn't get the lights back on or, or something. Okay. okay. There was something malfunction. Alabama State was ahead in that game. So they're going to finish that game with Alabama State as the home team, and then they'll go ahead and play the regularly scheduled game after that. Well, look at Jake throwing knowledge down. I mean, that's why we have him on the show, huh, Danny? All right. Uh, Let's see. Anything we missed? Well, there's a game in Baton Rouge tomorrow. Oh, yes. There is a game in Baton Rouge tomorrow. Did Did I see that Jay Johnson said that Louisiana is the fastest team he's ever seen? Well, I didn't, I didn't read uh, that, but it wouldn't surprise me. Okay, or something about how they could all be a track team or something. I saw that earlier today. Well, you know, look, the the, the Cajuns have good athleticism. You know, he, I'm sure he's going to take it, and the coach speak is going to make it. You know, bigger than that that uh, that pike that you caught when you were a kid that you thought was the size of a barracuda. Um, so I'm, I, you know, I guess I guess I'm not surprised by that. I mean, I'm going to say this. You know, we have played LSU before when they were ranked number one in the country. The last time was in the 2015 Super Regional when um, the Cajuns uh, won the Houston Regional as a three seed, went to Baton Rouge. Um, Brent Conrad hit a pinch hit home run in the ninth inning to send it to extras. And then uh, Chambra hit one and walked the Cajuns off. And then the next night, uh, a three to two game or a four to three game and uh, Alex Bregman got a, got a huge three run double. And, uh, and that was it. LSU was ranked number one that year. And then, but there have been times that Cajuns have gone in there when LSU has been ranked number one and beaten them. So, you know, but I, now that I've said all of that, since the BB Corbats came into effect, and it's been what about 10 years now, this is the best offensive LSU team by far. I mean, it's not close. In fact, I don't know that I'm trying to think back of, of some teams that had just great hitting clubs, hitting clubs that won national championships. And I don't think I'm coming up with anything bigger than what LSU has been able to do. Offensively, they are very, very good. They've had enough issues with their pitching staff with injuries to where there are a lot of folks who question as you get deeper into postseason, how's that going to work out? But, um, but the one through nine that they put up there, that's pretty sick. Yeah, I, I've, I've jokingly said to friends and everything, if LSU does not win the national championship, they should fire their coach because I think that is a very good team in Baton Rouge. And it's not often I say good things about them. So, But any thoughts on that game, Danny? Have you guys ever played the, the Tigers? And, and, and... Oh, I probably. Think- once or twice maybe but it's been if it is it's been a long time okay all right good enough let's move on to the weekend in the sunbelt conference and uh georgia southern heading up to marshall it's i see a two o'clock game on friday which is two o'clock central three is that because of there's no lights at the field yes correct okay and has that been the home field for marshall for a couple of years now, or is that because they're building a new stadium? 
It is one of the three that they play games at. They've got Gomar Park, which you guys played at, the field at the YMCA, the Kennedy Center YMCA field, which is right on the river. And they also play some games in Beckley, West Virginia, which is not terribly far away. But until they get their new ballpark, which has taken them decades to finally get approved, they got, what, $13 million from the state as part of a $20 million project. The hope is that that is done by the start of 24. So in theory, when the Eagles go back up in 25, they should be playing in Marshall's new ballpark. But it's at the YMCA this weekend. All afternoon first pitches, we've already talked about what makes Marshall Marshall. I think that they're a team they can avoid the bottom four, but they need to not get swept. Uh, I hope this weekend that continues because they've gotten swept each of the last two weekends. They've got enough to make people feel uncomfortable, but until they establish consistency on offense, then kind of like Jay said, they basically are hoping that they get one game per weekend. And I'd say that, but this is a really long trip for Georgia Southern. This is the longest week-long trip that they take, and they went to Mercer and Southern Miss in a week earlier this year, but to go to Kennesaw State on Wednesday, continue that up to Huntington and then Huntington back, that's asking a lot out of these guys to stay mentally and physically locked in over the course of the next few days. I kind of skipped right over that uh, Wednesday game there. So I apologize. I was looking at Tuesdays and, and did not. Uh, James Madison at Maryland, though, how was Maryland playing? Or are you familiar with them being on the East Coast, I guess? Well, they hosted, well, they hosted a Super last year. and <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it would have been. Yeah, that's right. Yep. All right. Sorry about that. Uh, I think which has got to be the game of the week this 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 weekend is Southern Miss at Coastal Carolina. Well, that's what I mean, what? Who needs to do what? Jay. Well, it's a series that Southern Miss needs. Okay, because they're half that because they're a game behind right now. And if you lose, uh, if you lose two out of three, now you're even farther behind. And and you know we're getting uh, to the last four weeks or so. So if you're talking about winning, uh, having a chance to win the regular season championship, this is a series that Southern Miss really needs, and it's going to be, I think, a very difficult series for them to get. Danny, it, it almost feels like this is going to have to be different from what Southern Miss usually does. Typically, I mean, they can score, but I don't know that they want games to be that high scoring. I think that for Southern Miss, they're going to want these games to be high scoring. I think that they're going to want to show off their power with some of the lefties they got with Etzel, with Wilkes, with Lynch. They're going to want to show off those bats. And look, these, these may be some scoreboard breaking games, but I think that that's how it has to be because I don't know that you can bank on doing what Tanner Hall can do, especially if for some reason he doesn't, and you're asking the rest of your staff to try to be better than that, that, that that's a big ask for a guy that's preseason All-American. So what you're saying in, is these games will be 2-3, three, 3-4, three, and 4-2. Oh, when we're talking about this next week, absolutely. <laughs> and with, without a shadow of a doubt. All right. Old Dominion headed to App State. We've, we've talked about uh, App State's Friday night guy. Can Old Dominion sweep that, though? Danny? Can they? Sure. Especially if App's bullpen is in the shape that it is. 
that it left town on Saturday. And if Steensman is out for any extended stretch, that, that puts them in a spot, which means that they're going to have to figure out guys that can go multiple times in a weekend. All right, let me let me stop you for just a second. Having already played um, App State and maybe some Cajun fans listening to, to this, Steensma was their closer, the freshman. Well, what do we what do we know about his condition? All I know is that he pitched in that first game. It, it he never really got settled. They they walked a lot late in that first game. George had to walk ten times that first game, and nine of them came after the seventh inning. There was a pitch that he threw in the eighth that they brought their athletic trainer out to look at his arm. It was not a very long visit, and they, they had actually brought the trainer out, the pitcher before. Skyler Brooks had come in. They brought the trainer out. He was fine, but they brought the trainer back out to take a look at Steensma. His exit was pretty quick. I, I, I can't tell you what part of the arm that they were looking at, but there, there was some shaking. And, of course, he wasn't going to pitch in the doubleheader on Saturday, but that, that would be something to seriously take a look at because without him, that that hampers that bullpen pretty significantly, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I kind of feel like App's got a chance to win on Friday um, with with Hamilton. Uh, and also, you know, they're, they're, they'll have, you know, some ability uh, offensively as well. And hopefully they won't have to get very deep into their bullpen if Hamilton could go out and give them six or seven. Um but boy, after that, I think it's going to be very difficult for App State to win either one of the last two games. Yes. Jay, uh, Texas State heading over to Troy. I think Texas State is playing pretty good ball right now. But uh, Troy, I think, is right there with them. You know, I'm still trying to figure Texas State out. You know, they were, they were a team that took two out of three from Southern Miss that split with the University of Texas, but also lost the game to Arkansas State. And, you know, I'm not convinced they are as good as the prognosticators said they were going to be. And at the same time, you know, they're, they're you know, they're nine and six in the league now after, after getting a sweep over Marshall. But there hasn't really been a time since conference play started since that first series where we've talked seriously about Texas state at all. Um, and is, is it time to do so? I think this series on the road at Troy is going to do uh, a great deal toward answering that question. Danny, you agree or you want to fight back? No, <laughs> I, I agree. I agree with everything. Jay state same, but I guess my curiosity is, is that, is that because coastal Carolina and Southern miss have been that much, better at times, I guess? At times for Southern Miss, but a lot more consistently for Coastal. They, they convinced me that last weekend they are the best team in the league and look, they're top 25, so that's really easy to say. But of everybody that I've seen, I know that I've said this before, I think Old Dominion is the most balanced team. The Coastal is the best overall team. If we're talking about Texas State, though, it is a potentially dangerous team. They've got a lot of guys back from that offense. And if they keep their rotation the way that it, that they did this past weekend, where they got Tony Roby going game two and Zeke Wood going game three. Now, he only threw five innings, and it seems like they're trying to be careful with him coming back from the injury. But if they keep it that way and Roby delivers at least a little bit and Wood is your number three and he gets back to what he was doing before that, that that's that's where the eyes start to pop a little bit. 
Georgia State uh, heads of South Alabama. Both teams are right there at seven and eight in the league. Is that, um, I mean, obviously the more wins you have, the better you're going to be, but is that a, a must win for both of them? I mean, can either yeah. team sweep? I don't know if either of them can sweep. I, I would say but I'll tell you really what, if, if it were to happen, the team that would get swept would be in a lot of trouble. Yeah. And just because South has more pitching, I would say that they would have the chance. But to me, this comes down to game three. I think that both have enough offense. Georgia State is probably a little bit more offense. I think South Alabama runs a little bit better because Georgia State's got a bunch of mashers. They go for the extra base hits. They go for the slugging. They're, they're not a team that's going to wow you with a whole lot of speed. But if it comes down to pitching and defense, the edge would have to go to South Alabama. ULM heads to Arkansas State, Jay. Do the Red Wolf sweep? Um, no, but I think this is a this is a series maybe they can win. Um, look, I don't know that either team has a realistic shot to make it to Montgomery. But I do know if one of the teams sweeps the other, at least that team's got a glimmer of hope. Um, you know, as I said earlier, ULM has, has had problems scoring runs at times. Um, their OPS is the worst in the league. Their slugging percentage is worst in the league. And Arkansas State's batting average against as a pitching staff is worst in the league. So, you know, something's got to give. Some, something's kind of got to give there. I, I think that, you know, ULM eventually, they're, I think they're, the, the guys at the top of their rotation are pretty good, but I don't think they're real deep. And I think as the series goes on, Arkansas State's bats are going to mean I mean an awful lot. And I think if the Red Wolves get the first one, they got a good chance to get all three. Danny, any thoughts on that series before we move on to our final? Almost, I almost feel like that's a roll of the dice or a flip of the coin just because I think that both do things that could threaten the other. I do like Cam Barlow. I think he is the most seasoned pitcher in that series, even though Arkansas State does have some young arms. But for ULM, if they don't start to get it together now, they got seven of their next eight are on the road. They got a home game against Alcorn State next midweek because they come to Statesboro next weekend. If they don't start to put something together, and I want to say that it was two years ago around this time where they really started to get hot. It was right after a series in Statesboro where they got swept, but they were hot for about a month. Got to Montgomery. They could have won that pool, but they lost to Georgia State in pool play. They didn't have a chance to win it. They had a basically exhibition game against Georgia Southern to finish up their season. And then last year, things went the way that they did for them. But if they don't start to at least assemble at least a little bit of confidence, this is probably serious. A lot like with South Alabama and Georgia State, I would say that ULM needs this one a little bit more than Arkansas State does, just considering how much more they've got to do on the road. Yeah, and I just think that playing at Arkansas State at home uh... – I just got to give the, the 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 benefit to the Red Wolves there. So, uh, Jay, the Cajuns head up to uh, JMU this weekend. Um, should we talk to Danny first? Have you guys played JMU yet? We end the season with the Dukes. All right, so I won't go to you first. Jay? Um, you know, the only thing that I've been able to do is look at some box scores and, and stuff, and – I don't know that JMU is one of the better teams in the league. I, I really don't think they are. Um, 
but I do think that they're a team that if they don't make it to Montgomery, it's going to be a surprise. And they're also a team that can jump up in, in an elimination game if they're seven through 10 and, and, and bite somebody. Um, you know, I, I said earlier that when I talked about uh, Marshall to Brant Freeman, I kept saying they're okay. They're okay. Well, I'll say that about JMU too, except they're a better okay, if, if that makes any sense it whatsoever. Um, I, I don't know about very much about JMU that just jumps out at me. I mean, they're okay defensively. Um, their team ERA is a little bit high, and at the same time, you know, if your if your starters are going well, you can maybe get through with six arms. So I, I just um, I think this is a series that you know I, I don't talk much about sweeps when I talk about my own team, uh, but I, but I think that winning on Friday is going to be huge for this team because you're going to face a good arm, um, and and you've got while he's got the best record in America. Um, It'll only be the second time Cooper Rawls has started a conference game, and it'll be the first time that he's been the Friday night guy. So that game is going to be very, very big. Um, I'm going to give the Cajuns, I think, the advantage in the other two games, but uh, but this this first game is big, big, big for the Cajuns because you got to, you know, I realize you're on the road and everything else, but you've got. Coastal Carolina coming up. You've got Texas State coming up, and you've got Southern Miss coming up. Now, James Madison is not any of those teams, and you've got to play accordingly. Danny, with uh, JMU at five and eight, they played two less games or three less games, if my math, two, two, uh, in in, uh, in the conference. So they're not quite up there with South Alabama on winning percentage. But they're also above ULM by a hundred points. So yeah, this this is where the winning percentage can help. It can also hurt. But it seems like more often than not in these situations, the fewer games, the better. Because for those teams, most of the time it would be losses that would be holding them back. But in the case of James Madison, I think they pitched it better than than we expected. And look to go to Southern Miss last weekend, be in it on a Friday, and then maybe be in position to win on Saturday before the rain and to only, I mean, they only had one hit themselves, but to toss a shutout on their own end, the first six innings there against them, that's proof that they can at least do enough to give themselves a chance. And look, the fact that they only played one game at Arkansas state because of weather in that series, it may end up helping them. It may end up getting them into the top 10. And I do agree with Jay. I think that they've got a better chance than say a Marshall or a ULM, but at the same time, you, you can't rely on having a better winning percentage because of fewer games if you're going to make the top ten. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, you know what's, and it's almost time to start talking about. It, so we might as well start right now. Um, if you look at the teams in the league, okay, I'm going to do this off the top of my head: Coastal, Southern Miss, ODU the Cajuns, Georgia Southern, Troy, help me out. Texas State. Texas State. Okay. I just named you in South Alabama. I just named you eight schools. Two of them are going to have to play on Tuesday. So it's not only which 10 teams are going to make it. It's going to be who's going to finish in the top six and stay away from 
uh, the single elimination game on Tuesday. Yeah. yeah. And, and everybody handles that differently. For some, they'll say, well, we just need to go out and try to score 15 runs and not burn our best. Others say, we got to get this game. We'll throw our best, and then we'll figure it out a double elimination because you know you can lose one and then hopefully bring somebody back. But yeah, if you, if you find yourself in that seven through 10, your road becomes a lot more difficult unless it decides to rain for two days. It becomes single elimination again, but we'll get to that. We'll get to that. I don't think that will happen this year with Troy's new stadium. I think they'll end up, unless it's really bad, I think we'll end up playing in two sites. I don't, I don't think that they've got the ability to host part of the conference tournament. I don't think they, they got way too much construction going oh, on. Do they still oh, yeah. Oh, oh, do you remember what the tw uh, 2017 season was like yes. at Tegmore Field? That's what they're going through. Okay. This year. Uh, yeah. It's under the, when we go there in a few weeks, we're going to be outside to broadcast. And they've the got everything teams, outside. They got the printers outside. They got have everything to outside. enter and exit through the center field fence because there's, okay. you know, it, you, no. Uh -uh. I just assumed because it was, it was, they tore it down at the end of last season, but that does make sense. Okay. Well, like Danny said, if we get down to single elimination, we'll have to see what happens at that point. How about we just keep the rain away and, yes. and, and not be negative? <laughs> yeah. Look, I for those two days while we were sitting on our hands and waiting for it to stop raining, it was fun to get a chance to meet and talk with fans and, and, and parents of players and all that to enjoy Montgomery for at least a couple of days. But we're all there for baseball. And, yes. and hopefully we're going to cooperate a little bit better. We can get to double elimination. We can ignore full play. And we can be exactly what we want to be. Exactly. Um, it's early still, but you got to start looking at it. RPI. Oh. Bolstel at nine, Southern Miss at 15, Troy at 35, Old Dominion at 49, Texas State 68, Georgia Southern 69, uh, the Cajuns at 77. Is there enough games left for those teams, especially at 68? 69, 70, to move into that safe field before the conference tournament now? That's so tough to say. I, I mean, I, I know it all depends on who, who you play and who your opponent's opponents play and who you played before plays. But E-I-E-I-O. Yeah. <laughs> it, is it foolish for those guys at 68, 69, and 77 to be looking at it then? At, you're at the time of the year where you have to, but let's let's say in the case of a Texas State or a Georgia Southern, where last year both were feeling pretty good about at large chances. Look, they still needed to win, but they felt pretty good about it. They don't feel that way this year. Yeah. Right now, those two are looking at if we don't get white hot the last month of the regular season, you basically got to get hot for a few days in Montgomery. I do think the league is going to get at least three teams. It may only be three. It could be as many as four. I know it for a time D1 baseball was saying it could be five. I think it's going to be three for sure. It's going to be a fight for four. But if things don't start at least improving a little bit better for some of those teams in the middle of the pack, I don't know if you could pass four, which would be an accomplishment anyway. But I, I think three is a pretty safe place to start. Jay, uh, I think there's an opportunity there, but at the same time, I wouldn't rely on it. Well, you know, I think I think you're going to get. I, I agree with Danny. I think you're going to get three teams in. You get four if somebody else besides the big three wins the tournament, just like it was last year. Yeah. Where you had three teams that went at large, and the only other way the fourth gets there, being the Cajuns, is if you win the tournament. So, uh, I think it's going to be the same thing. 
uh, again this year. I don't think I don't think five is happening this time. Look, I see days that you're you're talking about five and maybe even six, but yeah. not this year. It, but it's it's one of those where the RPI decides to play tricks on us. Think, well, if this falls this way and this falls this way, but then yep. there's way too many variables. Then the next day you got five teams outside the top fifty, and you're just well, what are, what were we talking about in first place? Exactly. Absolutely. I just thought I'd ask though, because you know that seems to be everybody's focus, and everybody seems to focus on it. But I still don't think they understand it because you know, yes, your winning percentage is part of it, but your opponents, opponents, and, and, and all of that plays into it. And I'm, I'm sure as hell not smart enough to know what the hell's going on. Well, that's a very true statement. And we talked about it last year about how much RPI is weighted and granted basketball doesn't use it anymore, but how much RPI is weighted in baseball, how much more road victories mean as opposed to home wins. And yes, it's probably overvalued, but until a better way is devised, to choose a 64 to play in the postseason is what we have. Absolutely. Danny, any final thoughts before we sign off for the evening? This is the start of the second half. We're all five weekends in, somewhere between 13 and 15 games. For some, the schedule is going to lighten up. For others, the schedule is going to get difficult. But what's what did Bill Parcells always say? You are what your record says you are. Maybe this year, depending on the way the league balances out, it may not necessarily be true, but you still got to take care of your business. And in the back half of the season, it's where it really means something. Jay, your thoughts. Yeah. Like Jay said, we're the number five RPA, RPI conference in the nation right now. Number four, uh, I believe, when it comes to road RPI. So uh, I think the teams in our league got a little bit to rely on, but I don't know that it gives them enough to get that fourth team in unless somebody else, as Jay spoke about, wins the tournament. So, gentlemen, thank you very much. Appreciate your time as always. Enjoy talking to y'all. Enjoy talking to you even more in the evening when I can sip an adult beverage and uh, talk baseball. So, adios, my friends. Long travels this week. We'll catch up with you guys next week. Yes. Thank you. I meant to sign off with that, but – the bourbon might have gotten to me, though. Say travels to you and to Jay this weekend. You got to Good luck to you guys. I'll wave to you. You wave back. We'll I be adjoining you. states. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right. We've got to go. You've been listening to We're Talking. We've been talking baseball. Sunbelt Conference baseball with Danny Walker. Danny Walker. <laughs> well, I, Danny. <laughs> I, I can't wait till you turn this recording off and you can have a drink. I think, I think we, need to, we need to talk to Jimmy Russell, don't we? Yes, we do. We, <laughs> with Jay Walker, voice of the UL Raging Cajuns, and David Reed, voice of the Georgia Southern Eagles. Any redistribution or reproduction of any part or all of the contents in any form is prohibited, except, ah, who the hell are we kidding? Distribute it, share it, put it in your podcast, broadcast it, or put it on social media. Just give credit where credit's due.